Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker, alongside my father, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Baker. Here's what we got on the menu for you guys today. We got Bryce Harper's deal. Seems like old news by now, but we didn't talk about it last week, so guess what you're going to get? Bryce Harper talk. Are the Blue Jays actually taking a step back with the Clay Buckles and Bud Norris signings? And we'll recap the last week in Dunedin for everyone here, as we will do throughout spring training. Chris, how are you this fine Thursday evening? I'm very good, Dylan. How are you? I am fantastic. I had an amazing day. I hope you did as well. The Blue Jays are on a three-game winning streak, which doesn't mean anything in spring training, but it gives you that satisfaction as a fan that your team is doing something, especially a team that's not expected to do much this year. Yeah, it was interesting to see the uh, the MLB projections on uh, uh, Twitter today with the Blue Jays finishing up with seven. I think they were 70. 75, which would be two above where they were last year. Yeah, that's a fair statement. I think the Jays have an opportunity to surprise some people. I really liked what, although who knows what happened with Sanchez and uh, the game that he started, but he. Uh, you know, if he can be as, as good as he's been so far in spring training and, and can continue that into the season and Strowman can be that good and we can get something out of Bockholz and, and I know we'll talk about that later, but uh, yeah. but it's just, you know, I mean, if there's some good stuff that could happen that could surprise some people, I don't know that Definitely. they're going to win the division, but uh, certainly uh, certainly, there's some opportunity. And I do like, like you said, a couple of wins reeled off in a row here in spring training is a positive. So, hey, we'll take the positive wherever we can get it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure, because you know what? I don't know how much of it there will be because 75 wins is not a great season by any means. But let's get right into things. Last Thursday, the day our last episode was released, Bryce Harper signed a 13-year, $330 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, making it, making him the, no, making the deal the largest in pro sports history. American pro sports, that is. The deal, while massive in total value, is actually pretty team-friendly from an average annual value standpoint. Harper will make an average of $25 million per year, less than Manny Machado's 30 Bryce Harper's no opt-outs and full no-trade is quite something, though. Harper is a Philly for 13 years. No matter how hard they try to get rid of a barely-moving 38-year-old Harper would be his 19th big league season, there is no way to do it. Bryce Harper is going to be old. He's going to be worn out at the end of his uh, at the end of this deal. The Phillies are going to have ten years of a really uh, five years of a really good Harper, and the last five of a deteriorating but still decent Bryce Harper. It's a really interesting deal. I want to get your thoughts on it. Well, I think it's a good deal. I mean, I you know, the the funny thing is, this is just uh, you know, it, it, people talk about the, the deferred money that the, the Nationals offered. I mean, this is kind of the same thing. Like if you look at this. Uh, they don't expect much out of Bryce Harper in his, you know, 39th year, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's a way to defer the money by giving him that, you know, years 10 through 13. I think you, you allow that average annual value to be reasonable throughout the, the contract. And what that does is it, it creates so much room for the Phillies to add pieces around him over the years that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that it's a great deal. I mean, it's a, I'm not actually sure it's that great a deal for Bryce himself other than you know obviously he's set up for life but I mean it is 13 years it's 330 million dollars don't get me wrong but it's 13 years I mean this guy's not going anywhere there's no opt-outs um you know and and 
you know, Jim Bowden was reporting that the Dodgers offered him an average annual value of something north of $40 million and uh, a year and, but only for four years. And, you know, if I'm Bryce Harper, that's that the deal I would have taken. I mean, but that, yeah, but that, uh, they, for, I don't, yeah, I would have taken, I don't know because Bryce Harper, one of his main things was he wanted to be in a, in a place where he could leave a legacy where he could be for the rest of his career. And a four year deal is not going to give you that. Plus from the Dodgers point of view, why on earth would you do that? That locks you up for four years. You can't do it. Mike Trout's going to be going to be a free agent in a few years. The Phillies have a shot at signing him for to to a big deal. Yeah, they might come close to the luxury tax, but they're going to have a serious shot. They're going to have they they have the room. Or they might have the room in, uh, to, to to sign a guy like Mike Trout to sign Mike Trout. And if you're the Dodgers and you offer this guy forty five somewhere near forty five million dollars a year. You're, you can't do anything for the next four years. Yeah, well, and the other thing is that, and I love Jim Bowden's point on this, and I don't know if you heard it on MLB Network Radio, but uh, he said if, if Bryce Harper had, one of the worst things that could have happened to the baseball industry is if Bryce Harper had accepted the Dodgers deal because what that would have done with Bryce Harper not really being a Mike Trout caliber type player is it would have screwed up arbitration for the remainder of that contract for the for the future of baseball there would have been players claiming they needed to make 40 million because Bryce Harper makes 40 million in their mm-hmm. arbitration cases and they would have won their arbitration cases because as Bowden puts it Harper's an amazing superstar but he's not a Mike Trout so you know you could see the Marcus Stroman three million dollars a year so it would have actually been and as Bowden put it, a bunch of GMs are breathing a sigh of relief right now that he didn't take the Dodgers offer because the Dodgers would have completely screwed up the industry if he had. So it's kind of interesting. I think, you know, certainly from a Bryce Harper perspective, I think in four years he could have easily scored and landed another deal. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's very surprising he didn't take this, but he was adamant that he wanted to finish his career in one city. That city is a bit of a surprise. Nobody thought he really wanted to do that in Philadelphia, but he's going to anyway. He's got 13 years there, no trade clause, and he's got no opt-outs. So he is going to stay there unless you know he agrees to a trade down the road at some point, which is entirely possible if they fall off the radar, but they won't for many years. And, and actually, you know, I almost disagree with you a little bit about, about part of this deal in that I think it's more than five years they're going to get the best out of Harper. I do. I think they're going to get him mm-hmm. for seven. It's a possibility. I think his first seven are going to be high-performing years, barring injury, of course. And and then that back half of that contract, even though he's going to tank out probably in his older age, is not that bad. I mean, you're not you're paying him 24. Yeah. This is Alex Rodriguez's deal from years ago. There's nothing different about it. I mean, that's what he was making was 20 some odd million and to think there's no leap forward in salary here. I mean, it's the length that got the salary up to 330 million, but not average annual value. And so mm-hmm. this is a great deal. It's a great deal for Harper, but it's also a great deal for the Phillies. And it's a great deal for baseball because it keeps things within reason over the next few years with arbitration. Too, so. you, mentioned, you mentioned that Harper's not as good as Mike Trout. And I was talking to someone today, Shane Davis, a former uh, prospect in the Blue Jays organization. He was telling me that uh, to the average baseball fan, Bryce Harper is a big name. He's got more name than he does stats to back it up he's not a mike trout he's a great player great like he's a superstar but he's no mike trout he's got a bigger name 
than his stats would show. And honestly, I think, you know, I, I think that, that, it, that it is going to be a good deal. I think that he got the $25 million average annual value that, that he should have gotten. I don't think he deserved to get a $45 million deal or $45 million per year because he's not as good as Mike Trout is. He's just got a bigger name, and he's got a, the name Bryce Harper. When you hear Bryce Harper, you think, oh, superstar, superstar, superstar. Well, he's not actually. You, yes, go ahead. Let me ask you this. I mean, looking back at the Machado deal, 10 years, $300 million, That's an average annual value of $30 million for Machado. Mm-hmm. Did Bryce Harper not deserve more in the end than Machado did average annual value-wise? I don't like Machado, but I, uh, I'm going to say no, because here, and here's why. Manny Machado was a better player than Bryce Harper last year. And GMs will not look at your career stats anymore, as they've shown us in the, in the past, because they could have looked at Jose Bautista's career stats and seen, oh my gosh, this guy's a power hitter. we got to sign him. No, they look at your stats from last year. Bryce Harper was one of the worst defensive outfielders in the MLB last year. He struggled for the first half of the year. He did not have a good year. Manny Machado did. He had a great year, and he was a relatively good defensive player, a lot better than Bryce Harper was. So it does not surprise me that Manny Machado actually did get a higher average annual value than Bryce Harper did. Because, honestly, I don't like Machado. I think he's a dirty player. I think he's a disgrace to the game. But he did deserve <laughs> That's more. That's harsh words. He did deserve more than Bryce Harper. Yeah, and I don't know that, that he's a disgrace to the game, but he certainly is a, a lollygagger. He certainly doesn't put the effort. He's not the kind of, for a kid like yourself who's trying to get into baseball, he's not the kind of guy you want to model yourself after work ethic-wise. But he certainly has the skill. He certainly mm-hmm. does have the ability, and and he does perform. And, and you're right. I think I think in the end, he performs at a higher level than, than Bryce Harper does. But you hear, the thing is, you hear Bryce Harper and you think, and you think he's a superstar. And people were talking about giving him $400 million a couple of years ago. No, that's ridiculous. No, and I, but I could see Trout getting it. And, yeah. and I think that uh, I think you'll see Vladdy Jr. really kind of model himself more after Trout than he, he would have Bryce Harper. But yeah, again, you don't know. Prospects are cool. Parades are cooler, right? We don't know what a, and that's a Casey Stern thing, but um, we don't know what a Vlad Jr. is going to be just yet. We can certainly project it, but we don't know. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love the deal. I think, you know, just to circle back on that, it is a it is a really good deal for the Phillies. They've got this guy locked up for 13 years. Uh, they can build around him because the, the thing's not an albatross of a contract. They, yeah. $24 million is normal. Um, and, and it's just, you, you know, they didn't handcuff themselves. It's funny because mm-hmm. the Phillies started the offseason talking about pay, spending stupid money. And literally used those words, and I will tell you, this was not a stupid money thing at all. This was genius, and and it worked. And Boris mm-hmm. got his client his three hundred and some odd million, three hundred and thirty million, and his stability he wanted in one city for the next thirteen years. I mean, everybody wins in this deal. Again, you just want to make sure there's no injuries or anything issues like that over the years. But you know, as you say too, the defense is a huge question mark. Yeah. But with the, the with the potential that the DH will come to the National League in the next couple of years, I think the back half of this contract is fine. You can put them in DH and, and not have to put them out there in the outfield. So, you know, a great deal for the Phillies and kudos to them. Yeah, uh, we do have to move on. So we will. Last week, the Blue Jays signed Bud Norris. Uh, I believe he's thirty-four year old set- setup man. 
and Clay Buckles, a veteran starter, to one-year deals, respectively. My question to you is, are they actually taking a step back with these deals? Because they talk about giving the young guys a shot a lot, right? Giving these prospects a chance at the big league level. But signing Clay Buckles, as Ross Atkins is already guaranteed a spot to Marcus Stroman, Aaron Sanchez, Matt Shoemaker, and Clayton Richard. Now he's telling Clay Buckles that he's going to start. Is this blocking Ryan Barucki's spot in the rotation? I, I think it could block him, block his spot in the rotation. I do not want to see Ryan Barucki go back to AAA because I think this guy pitched at a high enough level last year. He pitched well enough in the big leagues to show that he will he, he'll develop even better at, at the big league level, and he should be a big league pitcher. Also, the Bud Norris deal. This could be uh, uh, this could block a David Paulino or Hector Perez from joining the team's bullpen because these guys are coming in and they're competing for bullpen spots. Getting a Bud Norris, who's pretty much guaranteed to be on the team, is not going to help them, and it's going to push them right back to where they were in the minor leagues last year. So with the old guys coming in, are the Blue Jays taking a small but still noticeable step back? No. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think that I think this is a, this is a comment more on... Uh, their pitching depth. I don't think it's it's there yet. I do think hold on, that Baraki, hold on, sorry. No, no, no. Just hang on. Okay, I, okay, I don't. Okay. I, I I think Baraki for sure is is definitely somebody who deserves a spot in the rotation. Probably the number five spot. He. I agree with you, and I know Buck Martinez had, had mentioned that on the broadcast over the weekend that that he also believes that. Brian Baraki should not develop in AAA. He should no. be he should be at the major league level at this point, and he should be in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll tell you this: Sean Reed Foley not ready. No. Thomas Pannone not ready. So you know, keep them down there. Let them develop. Let them have a, a year. Let's be honest; it's only going to be a half a season because most likely, if Buckholz performs and Bud Norris performs and John Axford performs. They're going to be traded at the deadline, and they're going to be brought, bringing back prospects. So, um, you know, I think this is a, I think this is, a, and Clayton Richard too. I think this is one of those things where, yeah, we're blocking some kids for now, but at the same time, if there's a shot to to be competitive to a certain extent, you have to take it. The other thing is, you can't, you can't. The depth isn't the same as it is at the position player level with the Blue Jays, and I see that's kind of got the same opinion as you that that by signing a Buckholtz, by signing a Bud Norris, by signing a Clayton Richard, by by signing these guys, there is kind of the Blue Jays saying, "No, we're not going to give the kids a chance," and I completely disagree with that. I think that in the field and at the position player level, they are going to give the kids a chance. But I think that what I'm what I'm seeing out of these signings is is this is a comment. On, by Atkins saying our pitching depth isn't where it needs. pitchers need to develop in the minor leagues and I'm going to fill out the rotation with these guys for now in the bullpen with these guys for now okay and, I got a question yep for you you said that you got to take any chance of competing so are we competing this year or are we giving the rookies a shot no I think what you're doing is you're allowing these veterans to come in and show what it takes to compete in the major league level and that's where you're going to see you know uh, a clay buckholz maybe make some kind of an impact now the argument of course with bud norris is that he will not make that kind of an impact he'll make a negative kind of an impact with some of the things that happened with uh, him talking about hispanic players and and things like that last year 
but Charlie Montoya has made it very clear he is a Hispanic manager, and there's and Bud Norris knows that. So if he's going to make this kind of shenanigan type comment again this year, obviously he just won't be on the team. I mean, yes. your manager's Hispanic, right? So um, is yeah, Ryan? I think. Sorry, just to hang on. Let me finish yeah. my thought on that. So I think that that what you're going to see is you're going to see these veteran presences uh, come in and help the kids that are at the position player level get used to the major leagues. And then you're going to see them traded in July and they're going to be traded for assets. And, the, and that is how this is going to play out. If somehow they turn out to be competitive now, you've got guys in place that can take you a little further. They're not going to be competitive. I'm just saying, though, that if somehow that happens, you don't lose in this situation because, you know, you've got a competitive team on the field and you don't have to worry about it. If you don't have a competitive team, you still don't lose because you're going to be able to trade those assets. Okay. For more players. I ask you this. What if, shockingly, Clayton Richard isn't good and you can't trade him at the deadline? What if, shockingly, Matt Shoemaker isn't where he was three years ago? And you can't trade him at the deadline. What do you do in that case? Because then that doesn't look like a, much of a win to me. That looks like you're clogging a spot for Thomas Fanone and Ra- Sean Reed Foley, who probably worked on their stuff in AAA. And and you're saying we need pitching depth. Is Ryan Barucki just depth to you? He's not an actual starter at the big league. No, I didn't say Brian Barucki. I just told you that Ryan Barucki should be in the rotation. That's not depth. That's that's a rotation piece. What I'm saying is is. You don't lose because even if you can't trade these guys, they have nothing contracts. And by the time you get to July, by the time you get to May, June, the contract is worth nothing anyway. You've already paid out the first half of it. You're, you you can release them if you need to or DFA them. There's no risk here because if these guys don't perform, as you say, there's a potential risk, which it of course is, you're going to just let them go. And, and that's the beauty of these deals is that, Hopefully you can, they're going to perform to some level and you're going to trade them and they're going to have some kind of value and you get some prospects back. But if you don't, then hopefully by May or June, a Sean Reed Foley, a Thomas Pannone and others are ready and, and you bring them up, DFA the, these guys, and it's not a, a loss to the team. I don't see any of these moves as bad. And I, I, I see the, you know, the Twitter people getting on there and jumping on, you know, Shatkins and all this other stuff. Listen, this is not bad. This is a no risk move. You, you're not spending a ton of money on Clay Buckles. $3 million is not a, a ton of money. And if he performs, you're laughing because you can trade him. If he doesn't, you're still laughing because you can DFA him and bring up a kid. So, there's just no losing in this. And I'm, I'm a little surprised. I will just circle back to Bud Norris here. I am a little surprised when you're trying to develop a clubhouse that has leaders like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being developed, that you put a Bud Norris in that clubhouse mm-hmm. with his history. Little surprise there. But a Clay Buckholtz, despite the fact that, you know, people don't really like him, he, I don't think he's bad for the clubhouse necessarily. And, you know, I, I think that's a pretty good move. And I think that the Clayton Richard move is a good move. And it's just, I don't think you can lose in in these moves, to be honest. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Honestly, I do, I do think that there is a way you could lose. But uh, we will see how it plays out. And we'll see if you are right. So let's take a look at the last week in Dunedin to wrap things up. Here is what we learned, or what I learned, that the pressure can actually be quite a bit on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as he likes to show that he is not affected by it. But, I mean, 
four hits or three hits in spring training so far kind of looks like you're feeling the pressure a little bit. And how can you not be the top prospect in baseball? Everyone has super high expectations for you. And he's, he's been a little surprising to, to me uh, uh, with his offensive numbers. But I, I know it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And he's going to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So I'm not worried whatsoever. It's just a little surprising. Um, Aaron Sanchez is looking like himself again. He's been great. He was perfect for his first four spring, spring innings. He had a, a, a little hiccup in his third inning, but still he was really good. Did not allow a run over two and two-thirds today or yesterday, sorry, against the Phillies. Um, Ryan Baraki is good at coming back from a rough outing as he got roughed up by the Phillies last time, pitched really well against the Tigers, although he did walk three batters. That's something that's going to need to be worked out. And Randall Gretchik has come out firing this spring. He's been a great force in that Jays lineup. Uh, he's played five games now. I think he was, he was uh, set back for the first week of uh, spring training with an injury, but he's, he's back and he's been swinging the bat pretty well. And he made a nice running catch into the wall today in foul territory. Anything else that you learned that I may have missed? No, I don't think there's anything else that I would have, uh, I would say I've learned. I, I, I tend to disagree on the Vladimir Guerrero pressure thing. I mean, there's you, certainly a you, lot of pressure. But you, t- you tell me that he's not been underperforming this spring, honestly. Well, I think he's getting his timing back. I, I think that's all that that really is. I mean, you know, you watch the hits he does have. He smokes them, and except for that one yeah. dribbler single. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, which was kind of funny because it just, it was a, what do they call it? A duck snort or something like that <laughs> to, uh, yeah, to, to the pitcher. And that's fine. And, and, and that's, that's okay. I mean, that's a good way to get your first hit. Just get it out of the way. Uh, but I, I, yeah, there's pressure on him. I think he's handling it beautifully. Uh, I think there's some defensive things there that are definitely uh, something that need to be worked on. They're working on a, a lot of things that we don't see during a game, like his conditioning. He did come in a little heavier than they expected uh, in spring training, and they're working on that, and he's dedicated to doing that. And I think that that's an amazing thing, that he has mm-hmm. dedicated himself to conditioning himself better, to be able to move better at third base and, and look at his defensive side of his game. So he's got a lot that he's working on. I think that takes a slight amount away from his offensive ability, not abilities, but performance so far. And to be honest with you, it's spring training numbers. And, and in spring training, the numbers mean absolutely nothing. I mean, Randall Gritchick can hit 900 in spring training, and he's still not going to hit 900 in the season. It's just not possible. So it's just, you know, you've you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, he's a little slower than we all thought, but we all can't imagine he's going to go four for four every game. Like, come on, he's not going to do that mm-hmm. his whole career. You know, you're a Hall of Famer if you end up with a career record of uh, a 300 batting average, right? So, and that means you got you hit 30% of the time and 70% of the time failed. So, you know, it's a little ridiculous for people on Twitter to uh, to to be <laughs> jumping all over his results already, and and uh, especially just this early in spring camp. By the end, of the- shout out. Shout out to the people on Twitter, by the way, on uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s picture of, uh, of his hair saying my reaction when they told me I had to cut it as a joke. The poor guy just got bombarded with tweets. About <laughs> yeah, but he got Shatkins... bombarded with tweets about Shatkins. Yeah, Shatkins is at it again. Well, you should leave the team. Tell him to 
If the hair goes, you go. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the so... funny thing was that there was nobody requesting him to cut his hair. And that was hilarious. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's a, and that was a funny thing that's happened in the week that was in spring training. But, you know, happy to see very happy for Gritchick on his performance so far. Again, spring training. You know, we've all seen Kevin Pillar hit 700 in the spring training and then do what he usually does every year. So, you know, I'm not buying it 100%, but at the same time, uh, he came into camp obviously completely ripped compared to last year. Uh, he's, yeah, he got a little hurt there, but, uh, you know, he was running the bases well this week. Uh, obviously, the play today against the wall. So, you know, I think Gretchik's certainly made a name for himself. I think one of the big surprises for me over the last week has been Dalton Pompey. Yeah. I don't think he has a shot, but uh, but that's been more because of his history over the last few years. I think uh, I think for his spring, he's had a very commendable spring so far, uh, very surprising spring so far. And it was nice to see Alfred hit a dinger to, to yeah. yesterday and uh, and. You know, I mean, that was that was great to see for him, too. He's one of those guys you really kind of root for because he's a nice guy. And he's certainly had a lot of those uh, a lot of potential in the past years. But he's another one like Pompey, where you kind of feel like he's fallen off now and mm-hmm. isn't really in line to take one of these positions as much. So, um, you know, are they trade bait? Probably. Uh, and they're probably going to be thirty uh, a triple A, sorry, triple A outfielders from the bulk of this year but uh but good for them for performing and you know the problem with Pompey is he has no options left yeah so it's a really interesting dilemma for the Blue Jays because if he has continues to have such a great spring what do you do with him you, mm-hmm. I mean would you really bring him as your fourth outfielder and put a, a McKinney in AAA like it, I just don't yeah. see that happening so um by the way in case you didn't hear Dwight Smith Jr. got DFA'd in the last or got DFA'd Yesterday, I believe, after the game, uh, or two days ago, sorry, after the game. Um, so that leads me into what what's to be seen. Will Dalton Pompey continue to be uh, a really good hitter this spring? Does that change the outfield plans? Not a chance, but it could. Um, will Stroman continue to be strong? He had a good outing last time. I don't like Stroman, but I think that he might contribute to this team or he has a great chance to and he can become tremendous trade bait at the deadline if he continues to perform the way he has been so far how hurt is Clayton Richard I heard uh, Mike Wilner mention it a couple of days ago that he was dealing with some knee issue how hurt is he he hasn't been he hasn't pitched in a, since, since Barucky's start against Philadelphia I believe he, he, I'm, I'm concerned about the guy as much as I think he won't perform well this year, I, I am worried because he, we, he, he's on our team and he's expected to be in the rotation. Does that free up a spot for Barucki, though, I wonder? Uh, because w- with the Buckles signing, Buckles can take Richard's spot and then Barucki does take that fifth spot after all. And when will Devin Travis come back? Because they, they have not been very clear about that. Charlie Montoyo says it was day-to-day. But then you have all these analysts talking about how Guriel's your opening day second baseman if Travis doesn't come back which means that it's not looking too promising, especially with how emotional Devin Travis was in his press conference. What are you looking forward to this week? Well, this week I'm looking forward to two games on TV. I think that's an exciting <laughs> yeah. thing. I think uh, I, I saw an interesting tweet, and I, I would love to give whoever that was credit, but I can't remember who tweeted it. But they had tracked uh, the Grapefruit League and the um, um, Arizona. What, what, what is Cactus it in Arizona? League. 
Cactus League, thank you. Um, their TV and the Blue Jays, uh, out of all of baseball, have had the least games on TV in the spring. I think Sportsnet has, has in fact, completely failed this spring in, yep. uh, in, in televising Blue Jays games. To be the worst in all of baseball with the top prospect in all of baseball just doesn't seem to line up to me. Uh, so bad on uh, on that but uh you know penalty box as they would say on the mlb network radio on inside pitch but uh you know i mean i'm excited that the two games will be on tv it's good to watch these kids play i feel terrible for for devin travis you know this this poor guy i mean these knees it's it's crazy for him but uh you know he's always been a good player good shoulders knees and toes knees and toes. yeah yeah i mean and you gotta feel for the guy i mean he was super emotional in his interview which tells me the inflammation is a little more than than sort of the team is making it sound like mm-hmm. because he wouldn't be that upset if he knew he was coming back a, a two or three days later um so you know but but on the positive side what am i looking for this week I'm looking for probably to see that that Vladdy starts to pick up his his uh, offensive numbers. Uh, I think we will see that over the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll see Bo Bichette open some more eyes this week and next um, before being sent back to minor league camp because he's obviously <laughs> not making the team. Uh, I think you'll see the same thing with Biggio, who, by the way, again dinger yesterday, uh, definitely turning some heads. But I and I, you know what, I actually liked that he was at first base in that mm-hmm. game. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I know they're going to try McKinney there too. And, uh, you know, there's there's a backlog on this team, man. Like yeah. the position players are backlogged, and that's a good problem to have. And this is, again, where I go back to the pitching deals that have been signed. There's no okay. backlog in pitching, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and that's where... I totally believe that, yeah, we didn't sign a bunch of position players. In fact, Kendris Morales is blocking people from the DH spot, right? So, yeah. you know, the Atkins didn't go out and make those signings in the in the position because he knew, position player-wise, huge backlog. Yeah, but, the only guy he signed was Freddie Galvis. Right, and that was that was actually a little bit of a surprise, but in the, in, in the end, uh, you I know, he's really the only out. one. Yeah. Sorry, say again. I think it's going to work out. I think it's a good signing. The Galvis yeah. signing. Uh, he's a consistent player who plays every day, quite literally. And uh, he's really going to help out the young kids defensively. Yeah. Yeah. I saw him uh, on that one, or, well, the, one of those few broadcasts we've been able to see on TV. Uh, really, really talking to Guerrero over at third and making mm-hmm. sure that, you know, he's understanding the proper way to play the ball. And, and it was really nice to see. And I think he, I think you're right. I think he's going to be a great leader out there. Yes, for sure. So, well, first we got to get some Tulo talk out of the way, or at least I do. Tulowitzki has been hot in spring training. I will give him that. Don't worry. He's just a broken toenail away from being done <laughs> for the season. That's a perfect way to finish the episode. This has been episode 19 of 211's Baseball Talk. It's been a it's been great to have you along for this ride. This... <laughs> Broken toenail away. <laughs> just, just hit me a little bit more there. But... Why? What, what, inca- what encounters have you had with a broken toenail? Uh, no, hey, no, I agree with you. But Tulo is going to probably not even be on a Major League Baseball team at the end of April. But Good. Hey, kudos to him for his good spring so far. Oh, it's yeah. Spring Tulo. trading stats because that means a lot. So this has been episode 19 of 211's Baseball Talk. What a great 32-minute ride it has been. 
for me. I'm sure it has been for you, Chris, and it has been for you, all the listeners. Go follow us on Twitter at 211's Baseball Talk, on Facebook, 211's Baseball Talk, and on Instagram. Our new username is 211's BTBT. Guess what it stands for? You'll never guess, but you just did. It's Baseball Talk. Oh, my God. So, for Chris Baker, I am Dylan Baker. Signing off. We'll see you all next week.